It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined by our Signal Boost space historian, Amy Shearer Titel. She's here to talk to us about um, all the stuff that happened this week um, and uh, whether or not it was a good thing. But Wally Funk going to space was a good thing. So uh, maybe we should start there. I don't know. Amy, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, sorry, did you start that with Matt at Jeff Bezos? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Yes. I mean, we, um, we've been I'm, ranting about it all morning. Probably, I'm probably in line with where you're thinking on it. So good morning. Ah, okay. How are you? Good morning. <laughs> good. This is going to go great. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I've talked about this, you know, since it happened. The, the next day, I sort of described the scene in my house where I was sitting next to my dad, who is a scientist. So, you know, he was watching it for, for interest in from that from that perspective, but also literally we're sitting there we're sort of like looking at it we're kind of squinting at the tv and then it's over in nine minutes and we laughed we literally started laughing and we didn't say any words we just busted out laughing because we were like that was it <laughs> pre-space we're only going to pre i mean when you watched uh the launch this week I mean, we don't have to talk about the shape of the rocket and all of that. I think people have made great <laughs> jokes about that. But just, Plenty. I mean, it's not the it's not the conversation that we previously had about, you know, astronauts who are training over decades to try to do something good for humanity or do some sort of scientific research in space. This was just kind of like a vanity trip for nine minutes. I mean, a little bit. There's definitely, like, the, the private companies that are starting to take these very first steps. It's, what's, what's kind of interesting is, like, this, you know, this nine-minute flight is very similar to, like, the very first flights NASA did in the late right. 50s or the early 60s. Um, you know, these, these quick suborbital hops. What feels weird about it is that, like, we, we know a lot more about space exploration, how rockets work now. Um, so we, I think we kind of feel like it should be a grander first mission, but like, you know, in reality, this is a new spacecraft, this is a new rocket, it's a new company. Um, so it kind of makes sense that you would start small, but you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of buildup because Jeff Bezos is on it and he has a crew with him and all this stuff. So it, it does feel like a, like almost a disproportionate fanfare for what the mission was, but it's, it's still a step. Okay, I got one. It's one not. A, it's not step a step for, for a man mankind. or mankind, right? I mean, it's a, it's a step for for one company. I mean, and the, you know, the thing is, that people have been making the argument that, like, you know, these guys are both, you know, both uh, Bezos and Branson are kind of like laying the foundation for the next. I don't know about the next generation, but maybe the next next generation, depending on how accessible this gets to not only have access to space tourism, but to, you know, begin building new technologies to help us leave the planet. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think there's, there's an element of it of like, I also want to, not me personally, but them saying, you know, I want to leave the planet. I want to do this. So there's, there's definitely that element to it. You know, it's, 
tickets on these flights are going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars for a long time. So the, the argument of like, it's opening space to regular people. It's like regular people, no. comma, billionaire edition. Like, right, right. Yeah, we're not going anytime soon unless, you know, someone generously sponsors it. Okay, so I only have one Jeff Bezos question before we move on to Wally Funk, who actually matters. Yeah. And that is, <laughs> is Jeff Bezos an astronaut? Um, I think technically, according to the FAA, yes. Damn it. Um, even even suborbital? He's a suborbital yeah. astronaut? <laughs> Does that mean that the dogs and cats they send up are astronauts? Like anybody who goes into space is just automatically, boom, astronaut? I think technically, but I think there's a difference between huh. astronaut wings and commercial astronaut wings if you are not trained and you're doing it like as a passenger. I think there is actually a difference, but the, the FAA considers anything above 50 miles to be in space. So both Bezos and Branson technically got it. But Bezos actually got further. I think he got to 62 miles. You're just half of two, which is the, uh, the von Karman line, which is technically where space begins, where scientists kind of agree space begins. So if you pass that line, you technically qualify for commercial astronaut wings. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay, Wally <laughs> Funk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us everything we, I mean, she was like so very much the highlight of that, uh, that awful like post press conference. Like I can't even say the word that I'm thinking of because it's not appropriate for 9am, but it involves a bunch of men standing in a circle. Like she was by far the best part of that whole circus. Like it was clear that she knew what she was doing, what she was talking about. Like her energy yeah. and exuberance was so infectious. It like mm-hmm. almost made up for the travesty that, that we had been, <laughs> that we had been witnessing. So, so tell us her story. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, this whole, this whole thing, everyone's kind of, you know, asking what I think about it. And I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm just really excited that Wally Funk got to go up. That's kind of where I'm focusing too. Yeah. Wally, Wally Funk is a really interesting story. She was one of the women who, kind of was, was in that, that first group of women to take on NASA and take on the government to, to argue for their right to fly in space in the 1960s. She actually found out about this testing. So, um, you know, the, the story and in, in the super brief version of the story is this woman, Jerry Cobb, got this, this bee in her bonnet to fly in space and uh, took the same medical test as the astronauts, did her own psychological testing and did a bunch of um, simulation testing. And she kind of amassed a group of women around her. Some she courted, some kind of came to her. And Wally Funk was one that actually came to her. Wally Funk read about uh, Jerry's psychological testing in 1960 and got really curious, really excited, and, and wrote her a letter and said, I want to be a part of this program that you talk about in this article. So, so Jerry kind of brought her into the fold. And Wally did the same, um, the medical test that, that Jerry, as well as the Mercury astronauts, did at the Lovelace Clinic in the early uh, late 1950s, early 60s. Um, and Wally actually also went to Jerry's house in 1960 and did the, the psychological testing that Jerry had done, which was completely separate from NASA, but nevertheless demonstrated great mental fortitude. So Wally was, you know, among this group of women, they didn't all agree on what was going to happen next or even what they wanted to do. Wally was definitely in the camp of, I want to fly in space. That is my goal. And she was, I think she was the youngest of the group. She was like early 20s when this was happening too, and already a pilot. So she, you know, she was very disappointed when they didn't get, get an actual shot at a, you know, mission to space or to join the astronaut corps. And she didn't give up. You know, a a lot of the women ended up, you know, in aviation careers, 
Wally did too, but she, Wally applied for the astronaut corps multiple times. Uh, once NASA started allowing women to to fly, and women were able to qualify for the astronaut corps, and she never got it because you know it's being an astronaut has always been more than just being a pilot. Um, you needed an engineering degree, you needed a certain background, and she was always missing some requirements, so never got to go. But she had a, a stunning career, nevertheless. I believe she was the um, she was the first female head of the NTSB, which is the National Transportation Safety Board, um, which is just a very cool job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, when, so her going up on this mission, you know, not only has she kind of been eyeing space since the early, since her early 20s, basically since the beginning of the space age, but she has had this amazing career of understanding in absolute detail how everything involved in aviation works. Because when you study, mm-hmm. you know, airline crashes for a living, you know the ins and outs of every possible thing. So um, for her to kind of finally get this shot, even even though it wasn't in orbit, even though it's, you know, two, what was it, two minutes of weightlessness, um, just to have that thrill, especially at, what, 83 to finally mm-hmm. get there, I think it's just such an amazing personal arc for her, which is really kind of the highlight and the kind of wonderful moment in all this. That is, is that I, is really cool. Yeah. I love that she got to make history as the oldest person. Like she should have made history in a different way, but she did. Yeah. Act, she does get her name in the books. Like she is and, the and, oldest person to do this. Yeah. And it, what's great about her and her career is so so wild that like this is not the first time she's made history. So it's just, it kind of fits for her, mm-hmm. I think, to kind of continue being you know the first in this, the first here, to kind of have another really stunning line to add to her her resume at the end of the day. And you know, at, that, at this age too, you know, this is really good timing. And she's so spry, she's so energetic, and like feels so youthful that like you're kind of surprised at her age, but. Yeah, yes. it's just great, great time. Oh, no. I love it. No, it was I like mean, I saw Rita Moreno live once and it was like that. Like watching Wally Funk was like, yeah, that. it's like, how is this 80 yeah. year old woman doing right. this with her body and I jumping know. up and down like that? And I like tweak my neck sleeping wrong at 39. <laughs> I Seriously, I though, I really like, do. I be like you when I grow up. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> can you can can we talk also about um, what's his name? Dylan, I think the youngest person ever. Who was also on this flight? Oh, I mean, eighteen-year-old, eighteen years old. I mean, I guess that. So the oldest and the youngest going is super, super cool. What is sort of the is is he the youngest by a lot? Like, what's the history on youngish people going to space? I don't, I don't know about like teenage astronauts. I know I haven't heard of any of those. Sounds like an eighties movie. <laughs> you're you're what? not wrong. As soon as you said it as teenage astronauts, I'm thinking I've actually space camp? never it's a movie thought called space through. camp. Right. Exactly. I accidentally launched. Um, this is an 80s movie. Okay, sorry. <laughs> accidentally <laughs> pressed the go button during training. That's fantastic. And now they have to get back to space. Isn't that yes. Hmm. Um, yes. Now that, now that you're mentioning it and I think about it, I'm not sure there have ever been such young astronauts. I'm trying to think of the youngest astronaut that I know of, and I'm pretty sure the youngest is like 30. Wow. Um, because so like this is this is where kind of like the difference between commercial and you know, NASA astronaut kind of comes in because for a NASA astronaut, you know, everyone's bringing something to the mission, even if you're not the pilot, you know, you're, you're a scientist, you're bringing some kind of research, you have some kind of skill set. And, you know, 18 year olds don't necessarily have that wide skill set that you need when you're running experiments on orbit or piloting some kind of new vehicle. You need that experience, which is why, you know, they're, they're always kind of 30s. Um, 
at 18, I mean, this is very much like, yes, you can be a passenger in space. It's kind of like what, to me at least, it feels like it's emphasizing is that like you don't need to even have a fully, you, you don't need to have a fully developed career by any stretch to be able to go into space with this kind of vehicle. So I think what it's more demonstrating is that the, the rocket, I mean, the rocket itself and everything was very automated. It's, it's really showing that like you don't need to have any specific training to be able to go into space now with the right group. Right. Mm. You just need a lot of money. Yeah. Or he won a contest, right? Is that how that happened? Um, if I'm recalling it right, is it, you, yeah. or you win a contest. <laughs> right. That seems right. That seems mm-hmm. like, like, so I, I had, I have an entertainment related question for you because the last time that we spoke, you told us the story behind your book. Your book is fighting for space, two pilots and their historic battle for female spaceflight. And you told us the story of these two women. And like later on in the week, I started watching this TV show called For All Mankind. Mm-hmm. And this show <laughs> actually has characters whose last names correspond to the women that you are writing about in your book. And they are clearly, yeah. and I would not have known any of this if yeah. we had not had that conversation mm-hmm. earlier this week. Okay. I freaking love this show. So my question is, as a space historian, when you're watching this like sort of alternate reality TV, which basically suggests that let's, what, what would have happened if the Russians had gotten to the moon first right. and then they had sent women, how would we yeah. have responded? And the show goes from there. When you're right. watching this, are you like thinking this is completely, this would never happen, this is ridiculous? Or are you like, yeah, we need a lot more entertainment that show women doing the things that we have not been allowed to do? Um, I'm kind of of two minds, and um, I think the, the biggest problem for me watching any kind of show, especially like For All Mankind, that's not only dealing with an era that I've worked in so extensively, but with people that I've worked with so extensively, it, uh, to, to, as my family calls it, it makes my teeth hurt watching it because I'm mm. like so frustrated. Um, I, oh, it's like me watching campaign shows. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, you know when, when you know so much about something, it's really hard to suspend your disbelief and completely like go into the fictional side of it. I loved the premise of that show of, of the Soviets landing on the moon first and what would have happened. I thought that was a really fun turning point, but I thought everything that happened after that was just like, no. <laughs> um, <and part laughs> so the whole like, duct taping yourself to run on the moon thing. No, not, not <laughs> I, <gonna> happen. <laughs> I, no? I thought the whole character of Molly Cobb was, and, and very obviously Jerry Cobb and, likely called Molly because Jerry was still alive when they filmed the beginning of the show. Um, I I hated her character because she's so abrasive and plays so poorly with others, which are two things that, like, you can't be if you're an astronaut because you're not going to stick people who fight on a mission when, like, it's national, you know, it's it's a national goal. So, like, I just thought the personalities, I thought, were so frustrating to me because I'm like, no one would fly with her she would be deselected because she's kind of annoying and and just so but I thought you know once I don't know I just thought the way they treated it was was frustrating because it's like if you're bringing women in why are you also bringing in the sexism of the 60s like there was there were so many odd things about it but I so I, I love that they brought women in that they had I did like that they had her finding water on the moon I thought that was a great arc for her but at the end of the day, I was sort of like, I don't remember any of the women's names. I just remember that they each had like a thing. Um, that's what bothered me about it. It was like, they all felt like one dimensional women as opposed mm. to human women that are just, yeah, this feels like we just need involved. more stories. Yeah. Like and we need more. I, 
Yeah, and I agree. I love I love showing women in in this role that we've not seen women in. I just kind of wish it was more like instead of making it about them being women, it was more about them just being people who are involved in this. And this is where I think I feel like we talked about this of like um, last time we talked. I talked to you guys where like bringing women in or, or having female stories, but having the, the feminine part of them not being the driving narrative. Kind of like when you make it about their femininity or their womanness, kind of like almost furthers that divide to show like oh yeah. it's, it's important because they're women as opposed to like oh look they're just people who can do these things because all humans are capable of doing things that that's my personal my personal take on it but more than How anything often? molly cobb wouldn't have flown in space <laughs> she was true so abrasive right <laughs> that's so funny it's- it keeps coming down to women are just like people. Yeah, <laughs> always just like people. Just yeah, the whole the whole like training them separately thing, that whole narrative, I thought was a little bit odd. Cause, like, as sexist as NASA, as some people within NASA were in the early sixties, every they dropped all of that once they had women come in because they recognized that it was like it was more important for the agency for the country and that these are still highly qualified people. So bringing like playing into that narrative so much in the show I just thought was just un I don't know unrealistic I like the idea that the reality is better Amy Shira Titel um thank you for having the job of space historian and sharing that with us sometimes we really we really appreciate you well thank you for having me it's lovely to thank talk you, you. <laughs> it's always fun that was, that was great we'll be back tomorrow with another signal boost podcast thanks for listening